Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending October 29th, 2021. I'm Chris Kyle. Today, I'm joined by investment strategist Alex Kuzley. Alex, correct me if this falls flat for those in Australia, but with the end of October here, I feel inclined to say happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you too, Chris. Perhaps I'll hand out packs of Vegemite this year, see how the neighborhood kids respond. But on a more serious note, we do have a number of topics to touch on today, so let's dive in. Starting off, and as a continuation from last week, robust corporate earnings have kept global stocks at highs, but we've also started to see Q3 GDP results release, with the U.S. specifically coming in a bit below expectations on Thursday. What observations do you have, and thematically, are there any key differences between U.S. and international markets? Yeah, so let's start with the GDP print in the U.S. So as you noted, it came in below expectations, 2%. Um, it was expected to be 2.7% annualized. Uh, and there's two key factors that are driving that kind of disappointment. Uh, and the first was there was a headwind to services consumption uh, on the back of the Delta wave that came through and that, you know, the reduction in mobility that, that led to. Uh, and the other part is the supply chain issues and what that did to auto sales. Uh, and so auto sales fell significantly through Q3. Uh, and that led to about a 1.4 percentage point drag on GDP growth, uh, which is you know, very significant. Uh, and so those two are the real reasons or the real fat driving factors behind uh, the weaker than expected um, print. As we look ahead, though, we think Q4 and then 2022 growth should still look pretty robust and above trend. Uh, in Europe, we get the print tonight, Australia time. And it looks like consensus is looking for a, a little bit of a pickup. Uh, in sequential quarterly growth. If we move across to earnings, the corporate earnings season, so in the US, you know, we're getting further into the season. And I think the way to characterize it is a continuation of this thematic that you know, earnings are coming in better than expected. And to put some numbers around it, when we started the earnings season, the estimates or expectations were for 30% growth. Uh, and that's now running at closer to 38% on the back of the beats. And, and those beats have been driven a lot by the value companies um, and value sectors. Um, this week has been a little bit more mixed. We're, we're speaking uh, on Thursday afternoon uh, US time, and we've just had Amazon and Apple both report and miss expectations. Amazon by quite a large margin, uh, and they were both stocks were trading lower. In Europe and Japan, we are earlier into the season, and I think the way to characterize the earnings season there is that it's still been it's still been decent, but. In terms of compared to expectations, we're seeing a lower beat rate. So less companies have been beating expectations um, compared to the previous two quarters. So at a, at a macro level, let's flush some of that out a bit more. But in the context of central banks and their rhetoric towards next steps with rates, especially given the looming effects of inflation, I mean, you had the ECB and Lagarde meeting yesterday, Brazil and Japan the day before. What's the general trend and how cautious are world leaders being right now? Yeah, sure. So there's been a lot, uh, a lot of news on central banks. So we'll start with the ECB. So we had the um, the meeting uh, this week, and the main takeaway was that you know when President Lagarde was speaking, is that she was really pushing back on the idea that there'd be rate hikes next year, which is what the market's pricing right now. Um, and did not they'd been doing a lot of work around their inflation expectation, inflation forecasts, and. They, they do see a risk that these, the transitory nature of this inflation is longer than expected, um, but they still do view it as transitory. 
Um, next, uh, the December meeting is the next big meeting for the ECB, and that's when they'll be deciding what to do around their um, asset purchase program because they have two purchase programs right now. They have the pandemic emergency purchase program and the asset purchase, and they're tossing up the idea and the decision we made in December as to whether to increase the asset purchase program uh, to offset some of the decline in the PEPP program. So that's the next big decision from the ECB. The other meeting that caught everyone's eye was the Bank of Canada, who basically came out and brought forward their kind of guide towards when they think that they'll be hiking rates. So they've ended QE and they're just reinvesting the bond proceeds. Uh, and they kind of noted that they think that the, um, we will, they will have achieved sustainable, sustainable inflation within the target within the middle quarters of next year, uh, rather than the second half. Uh, of next year, which was the previous guidance. And so our expectation is probably Q3 rate hike seems likely, Q2 probably is a little bit too early, but that has been brought forward. Uh, Brazil, another central bank that, you know, and this is a thematic that we've talked about before that you know, emerging market central banks are running ahead of developed markets. They're more sensitive to inflation shocks and inflation pressures. And so Brazil raised rates by 1.5% and the hint there might be further to go there. The final central bank, though, that I think is interesting is actually here in Australia, because what we've seen is that uh, over the last two weeks, on, and it started on the back of the New Zealand inflation print, is that the market has really got excited about the idea that the RBA are going to be starting to raise rates much sooner than they've been hinting at, which is 2024. Uh, and we've seen a lot of pressure this week on the RBA have a yield curve control program. So they're targeting 10 basis points on the short end of the curve. Uh, and the April 2024 bond uh, is the last, is, is the end of that target. And that is currently trading at around 45, 50 basis points. So there's been a really big move and, and there was expectations that the RBA would come in and step in and they haven't done that yet. We might start today on Friday. Um, you know, a lot of pressure. We think that you know, the market is probably getting ahead of itself with the RBA pricing. And we think probably 2023 is probably the more likely timeline for the RBA to start hiking rates well behind the Federal Reserve. So as a last item, let's pivot on over to China. Um, things appear to be a bit tenuous as they're closing out the second week of a nationwide COVID outbreak. And while Evergrande surprised creditors late last week with its offshore bond payment, another's due this Friday. What risk should investors be cognizant of as we progress into November? Yeah, so starting with the COVID outbreak, um, you know, it's really centered around two areas. So Genzu and um, Inner Mongolia. Uh, and we've seen some cases coming through the Beijing and that's the real watch point. There's two parts to this. There is you know, the risk from the COVID cases increasing, but there is a very low threshold for lockdowns in China, given the zero tolerance approach that is likely to be with us at least until February when the Olympics are being held, if not longer, given the People's Congress is coming up in the back half of next year. Um, so we've already seen a pretty large city of 4 million people locked down on six cases. But in terms of Beijing itself, there's about 32 cases being reported over the last two weeks. And it seems that the recent trend has been quite encouraging in terms of Cases have been, new cases have been falling, but again, that's really the risk and monitoring in terms of COVID is just how that outbreak in Beijing plays out, um, because that is a, a pretty important economic activity hub of China. And then on property, yeah, exactly, you know, Evergrande did pay their first offshore bond payment, kind of pulled the rabbit out of the hat. But that said, there are still quite a few payments to be made. So Evergrande themselves have formal payments due 
over the next 30 days that they had missed um, before. And so they're within the grace period. And we also have uh, a number of other companies that are still facing pressure. And the most recent one to be added to the list is, is Kaiser, which is another Shenzhen-based uh, property developer. It's much smaller than Evergrande, but it has a bond payment due in December. And it looks increasingly unlikely that it's going to be an easy fix for them. Um, we continue to think that this is not China's Lehman moment. You know, this, this seems very ring-fenced to property right now, uh, but it will be a drag on, on economic growth. And we had been talking about 5.5% GDP growth a couple of months ago, and we've, we've downgraded that to closer to 5% on this drag from property that we think will be offset by some policy stimulus. And um, what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, actually, is that some of the sell-side uh, and investment banks have started to downgrade their China forecast for 2022 to around that 5% level. So we think that's probably still at the right level, but very worried, you know, or very uh, focused on um, paying attention to the downside risks that could emanate if this starts to you know, unwind uh, in, a, in a worse fashion, or a, a worse um, manner than we currently expect. Definitely a few watch points as we head into the remainder of the year. But with that, we're at the end of our time, Alex. Thank you for your insights. I hope you enjoy your weekend ahead. And to all listening, stay safe and enjoy the changing seasons, either fall or spring, depending on where you are. Take care. <laughs>